Amen. We give thanks to God for the gift of music and for the servants of our choir and the ways in which they help to focus our hearts and minds on the message of God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. As we come to this first Sunday of Advent and as we rejoice in the beautiful decorations that adorn our sanctuary, you may be thinking to yourself, isn't this a little bit late? I mean, my tree's been up since Thanksgiving. Cracker Barrel's had decorations since July. (laughs) Why are we waiting until just now to decorate? And of course, I could give you lots of theological answers and reasons, but suffice it to say is we decorate now because it's our tradition to decorate on this first Sunday of Advent. And over the course of the next weeks, add more and more decorations until we make this house of worship full with the signs of the coming Lord. But it's also kind of weird, which is an important theological term. It's weird that we do any of this, right? Why do we decorate for Christmas? Have you ever thought about it? Well, I'm a bit of a Christmas history nerd, and Most of our decorations have wonderful stories around why they develop, but I want to focus on just two of them. The reason that we bring in green things and candles. And most of the traditions around evergreens and candles are found in the fact that for many people who lived in northern Europe, it got very cold and dark in December. And part of the traditions that developed around the celebration of Christmas was a reminder that in the midst of the cold and snow and dark, we could trust that light would come back and that new life would survive the cold winter. And so people brought in evergreens and Christmas trees and lit their houses full of candles, even, crazy enough, right, putting candles on the trees, which don't worry, we will not do here at Sanctuary of St. Luke's. We've already been down that road once. But these were signs, signs of our belief that in spite of the cold and dark that can surround us in these winter months, light and life will have the last word. And so you can see why Christians saw in these symbols signs of the promises of God. That as a people of God, we are not bound by the present reality. We live in the hope of God's future promises. Life will continue. The light will come. God has promised it, and therefore we have hope. The prophet Jeremiah 
in the 33rd chapter offers a word of hope. He says that the Lord has come to him and made this promise. The days are surely coming when I, the Lord, will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, you might think that Jeremiah is just a bit naive or a bit Pollyannish or just not realizing how difficult the world can be. That's if you don't realize that when Jeremiah makes this prophecy, he is in jail. Jeremiah is sitting in the prison of the king of Judah. He has been charged with treason against the king. The reason being is because Jeremiah has received a word from the Lord and he has prophesied against the king and the priests saying that they were supposed to guard the people and the people's faith. But Jeremiah sees a kingdom neglecting its worship of God and a people who have abandoned God's call to care for the most vulnerable in their midst the orphans, the widows, and the strangers. And God has called Jeremiah to prophesy against the king and the priests, telling them that if they do not repent and return to the Lord, that the Lord will send an army to defeat and crush the king and the people. And the king thinks this is crazy. He's got one of the best armies in the world. He's got one of the most prosperous kingdoms in the world. Yeah, our cousins to the north fell, but they were were bad. They were wrong. We're good. We're Judah. We're the true Israelites. And finally, the king decides that he is tired of Jeremiah and his meddlesome prophecy and his dour predictions of doom, and he puts them in jail. And it's there in prison where Jeremiah can begin to hear the drumbeats of an approaching army and even smell the campfires of the Babylonian soldiers as they begin to surround Jerusalem. Jeremiah is living in a day in which people don't really listen to God. He is prophesying against a king who has no use for prophets. And he is living in a city that is slowly being surrounded by an army that will eventually carry away the Ark of the Covenant never to return. An army that will destroy the temple of God and exile the people for a generation. Jeremiah is living in a dark time. And so it is amazing that in the midst of that darkness and uncertainty, He is bold enough to believe a promise that comes to him from God. The day is coming 
when a king will reestablish a throne of righteousness. Jerusalem will live in safety. A mighty branch will spring up from the house of David. Now, we only read a part of Jeremiah's prophecy this morning. And yet, if you were to read all of these chapters, you would see that Jeremiah's hope for the future is built on his strong belief in God's faithfulness in the past. Much of his prophecy is not telling what will happen, but reminding the people what has happened, about how God's faithfulness in the past brings hope for the future. The present can seem dark, but remember what God has done in our past. I think in many ways this is why we love Christmas decorations so much. Because we are people who like to remember. And if you're anything like me, when I bring out all my old decorations, I have these really deep moments of nostalgia. An ornament that we bought on our first vacation as a married couple goes on the tree. Perhaps you have a special stocking that you've had since childhood that's near about worn thin, but you couldn't imagine Christmas without that stocking. Maybe your nativity set was a gift from your grandparents. And even though they're no longer with you, every time you put that nativity on the mantle, you remember the Christmases long past. Many of our decorations are not only beautiful, they are deeply meaningful and personal. And these past memories, while bittersweet, also provide the firm ground on which we stand and look to our own futures. You see, you thought you were just decorating to make things look pretty. But we adorn our homes and our sanctuary with these signs of what God has done in the firm hope that God will do those things again. Hope for a coming king. As Jeremiah says, in those days Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will live in safety and this is the name by which we will call the Lord is our righteousness. You see, in Advent we not only look back but we look forward our nostalgia of Christmas past, of these stories and songs and carols that we sing because we've always done it, they also help to temper and reinvigorate our hope for a coming day on which God will establish a new kingdom of righteousness and peace. 
That is the hope that keeps Jeremiah secure, even in the midst of his prison, and even knowing that he may not live to see the fulfillment of that promise. But he believes, and he proclaims, that God will send a new king to restore the kingdom, to comfort the people, and to call us into righteousness. A righteousness which makes us right with God and right with our neighbors. My hope and prayer for you this Advent is that you will grab hold of that hope. That you will trust in that promise. That even if the days become short and dark, if the weather seems cruel and cold, if the world appears to be sliding into despair, the hope of Advent is a promise that justice will be done. The light will return. The King is coming. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we adorn our hearts and our homes with the signs of your coming, we pray that you would give us ears to hear once again the ancient and timeless message that you are coming into your world, bringing light and life, joy and peace, truth and righteousness. Help us not only look back, but to look forward to be heralds of your coming Son, to proclaim good news, to share the message of hope, and to point the way that leads to Bethlehem and to salvation beyond. Help us celebrate this season in anticipation of the day in which your coming again will be seen by all, great and glorious day when all shall know you and all manner of things will be well. This we pray in the strong hope of our coming Lord who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we prepare to depart from this place of worship, 
I want to remind you once again, I know I gave you a lot of information <laughs> earlier in the service, but one thing that's very important is to make sure you pick up an Advent booklet. Uh, there are daily devotionals throughout the uh, season of Advent, uh, and there are books on the back table and then out in the Welcome Center uh, to take. Uh, encourage maybe one per family to begin with, and then we'll see how many we have left. Uh, there are also uh, little Advent cards for our children that have little windows to open up every day of Advent to prepare. So big kids and little kids, there's a gift for you this morning. Uh, so make sure you get that on your way out. Also, during the singing of the hymn, we invite you to consider how you'll join with us in Christian community. Perhaps God has called to you to profess faith in Jesus for the first time. We would welcome you during the singing of the hymn. Or during this Advent season, perhaps God has spoken to you to join us here in membership, transferring from a sister congregation. We would love to receive you during the singing of the hymn as we join together our voices with hymn number 209, Blessed Be the God of Israel. Let us stand in spirit or in body as we praise the Lord. Dear friends, before we depart, we have one more item of worship to attend to, and that's to welcome a new member into our community of faith. And so uh, I want to introduce you to uh, my friend, Mary Clay Bailey. Mary Clay's been worshiping with us for some time now and comes to make this official as she transfers her membership. Uh, she's a second-year med student at the university, so pray for her uh, as she continues her studies. Uh, and so, Mary Clay, I ask you this one question, which we all reaffirm every time we celebrate this occasion, and that is, will you remain loyal to Jesus Christ, serving him in this congregation by your prayers, presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Yes. 
We welcome you in Christian uh, fellowship. I want to invite you, brothers and sisters, to come this way to meet her. Uh, uh, there's not a quiz afterward on the names, so uh, that's good. But help her start putting names with faces uh, and welcome her uh, uh, to the church. So welcome. Now, dear friends, may the blessings of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you this day and forevermore. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.